great guy. Great to have you company this Monday morning on the Radio Tab Breakfast Show. Robert Crash Craddock is the Chief Sports Writer for the Courier-Mail. And Crash joins us now, as he does each and every Monday morning. Crash, good morning. Morning, Paul and Will. Yes, there's uh, plenty to talk about. It's been quite the weekend, hasn't it? I'll tell you, Crash, uh, going through our winners and losers this morning, a uh, lot of fans now for the Brisbane Heat, they've really caught the attention. And Steve Smith as well seem to be the two big winners from the weekend of sport. Yeah, well, actually, uh, that's the start of a nice little segue, Paul, because my underrated was Usman Khawaja, who, when he came back to the Heat after Christmas, uh, he gave them something that they've been lacking. Now, uh, it's just that cool head at the top, experience, calmness, um, and, and, and I've always felt he's an underrated captain and could have easily captained Australia. He could have easily been the captain when Tim Payne was called in during Sandpaper Gate, Usman Khawaja was in that team and was not even thought about. They didn't even have him in leadership groups as vice-captain, anything. And then also when Pat Cummins was made Australian captain, that was uh, Usman was out of the team then, just. But the, the, the timing was never right for him, but he could have easily captained Australia Khawaja. And what he's added to that Heat team, I know Spencer Johnson's going well, I know Renshaw's going well, as Swepson's finding form, but uh, it's just... You need a guy to pull the threads together, and I, I give him a big rap. Yeah, definitely, and uh, he's your underrated. What about overrated this week, Crash? Uh, overrated, I would say, all other tennis players <laughs> apart from the big four. Like, I, I'm just looking at this Australian Open and, and, and Djokovic, and this, we've been so spoiled, haven't we, with they're just fading, Roger gone... Uh, Rafa on his last legs. Djokovic, fantastic, of course. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking at guys like Seb Korda, Sitsipas, and these guys who are, who are the next rung of favouritism at the Aussie Open. Korda's won one tournament. Like, Paul, I don't know where they go after these, the, the, these greats recede. Do you? Well, I think Carlos Alcaraz, when he's fully fit, is going to have a run. But who's going to be the guys that stand up against him? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. And, I mean, you, you just forget, apart from anything else, how good Federer and how good Nadal and Djokovic and these guys were, but they, how, how, what physical marvels they were. Like, remember that time when there was a stat Roger Federer hadn't missed a Grand Slam quarterfinal for eight years or something? That meant he was fit for eight years in a row. My goodness me, what sportsman's ever fit for eight years in a row? Yeah, there's not too many, are there? Mm. Crash, I... Uh, um we had Tim Fuller from Gaydon's Lawyers join us just before the news and we were talking about the Peter Bowl situation that he's in. He has tested positive to EPO. Very hard to get a, a false test here with this reading. Very hard to uh, to have it in your system. We know there's small amounts that are naturally produced, but hard to get that level unless you take it artificially. What, what, what are your thoughts here on Peter Bowl? Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's a massive worry. Uh, firstly, I cannot see him getting out of it. You know, uh, people say, oh, the B sample hasn't been tested yet. But so uh, I think he's he's heading for a long stint on the sidelines. And, and secondly, I, I must admit, when I think of EPO, I think of Lance Armstrong and I think of the fact that he never actually tested positive for it, even though he took it. Lance Armstrong did not return a positive test, and yet he cheated seven years in a row. So that slated my thinking, Paul, that guys that do test positive, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I have enormous question marks over them. Do you agree with that? 
Uh, I, I'm with you. I was speaking to Will earlier. And I said it's really hard if you test positive for it. Yep. I know his legal team released a statement on Friday saying, I want to get rid of the, oh, you know, address these uh, accusations. And as I said to Will, it's not an accusation, it's a positive no. test. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard Science. to get. It's a, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, look, and, and it's not a. It, it, the thing is, EPO is not a supplement. Uh, you don't get it when I, I do sometimes get that athletes take supplements and you know there's uh, slight traces of, of, of illegal drugs in them and, and that has happened and uh, the, you know but EPO is, is not one of those substances so it's a horrendous blow to Australian athletics. He was a pinup boy in so many ways and just the sort of pl- uh, athlete they needed moving forward, but. Unless he's got some massive defensive argument we don't know about, or unless the second test doesn't come back positive, I uh, he's in for a. Uh, Australia is about to to lose one of its really prominent and significant at sporting role models. What are you, what are your thoughts? We had this discussion with with Tim. Crash tested positive on the tenth. Athletics Australia released the statement on the nineteenth. He's got to wait a month for the B sample. Do you think all this could just be done behind closed doors till the B sample was in? No, I, I, I think you've, there's got to be... Uh, uh, everyone knows the rules, Paul, and, uh, you know, it, it, I, I get what you're saying, that you need, um, uh, you know, that he should be accorded the respect of, of waiting until the B sample's out. But... Very, very, very rarely is the B sample any different to the A sample. And I think you've got to be fully accountable because he's basically stood down from the time the A sample comes in and that creates its own issues. They know the rules uh, and, and I'm all for transparency with drug tests. If someone produces a drug test uh, and, and out of competition or in competition, I think the world deserves to know about it because it's coming out sooner or later anyway. Yeah, it's an interesting one to see how it plays out. And just moving back to cricket crash, obviously you mentioned Kawaja's leadership, but the Brisbane Heat, something's changed there. And do you think they can do it once Kawaja and these others get on the plane to India? Yeah, well, put it this way, uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, they've got... They could finish in the... uh, You know, they could make the final, they could win it. In, in which case the players would have to sort of delay their entrance to, to training camps and, and things like that, which they certainly weren't planning for with the Brisbane Heat. However, I must say, I do love the way they're playing. There's this just renewed confidence. And Spencer Johnson's been one of the stories of the whole competition. The giant, lanky South Australia who hasn't played a game for South Australia yet. And I still can't believe that at age 27. he was. They tagged him as a future first-class player about 10 years ago when he was in their under-17 team. So, But he has been injured a fair bit. He came up here for the local T20 competition with Redlands, with Marnus Labuschagne's team. And, uh, uh, you know, caught the eye then, was the most economical player, and, and it's been a real sensation. Crash, uh, yeah. have we got the scheduling right yet, do you think? With how, uh, the, how I, the Big Bash fits in, how the it, international it, tours? Just, it, it, yeah, it, it's just too long, Paul, isn't it? And, and you know, it, it's just creeping up now towards the Indian tour. Things are going to, you know, there's a shadow over players' availability just before India. But but I, I don't like the fact that kids are going back to school, a lot of them today, and we're still playing big bash rounds. For me, the finals should have been yesterday. 
Like that, that was, that's, and it will be yesterday in two years from now when they cut the competition down. And, uh, but I will say this, it's been a good big bash this year. It's been the most significant big bash of all because it had receded over the last five years. And I, 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 Paul, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't see it coming back, but it has roared back to life. Like you went on the weekend, <clears throat> a lot of my mates, uh, their kids want to go. Um, there, there's, uh, I, I'm finding myself, I'm watching a lot more of it, games not even involving the heat. Like it's good competition. We're finding local heroes like Josh Brown. The internationals have been, you know, quite good. Um, and, and, and just there's really good dramatic flavours running through it. I, I really enjoyed it this year. The last two times Steve Smith's been out to bat, he scored centuries off about 50-odd balls. He's been absolutely sensational. Is he a great example of what's wrong with all the deficiencies of the Big Bash? Unlike the IPL, who have all the, the Indian stars in it from go to woe, is that what's missing? Exactly. I mean, hasn't he made a difference? I mean, his last two centuries have been the two innings of the competition. They've been absolutely outstanding. And yet, he's been underappreciated. Ben Horn, our cricket writer, kept ringing up Cricket Australia and Big Bash organisers a month ago saying, uh, look, if you're going to offer Warner a contract, surely you've got to offer Smith a contract. And they said, oh, mate, hang on, hang on, hang on. Smith is not Warner in T20 cricket. That, let's not kid ourselves there. You know, he's not the... And he said, mate, he's Steve Smith. He's one of our greatest players. He's a draw card. Get him in there. And so Ben went back and forth with all these guys. We're really reticent. And finally, finally, they said, oh, actually, all right, we'll, we'll offer Steve a, Steve a deal. Offer Steve a deal. My goodness me. And, and, and it, I must admit, I love the fact that he's come out with the spotlight squarely on him and David Warner on Saturday night. Normally those uh, matches rate about 170,000 on Fox Sports. This one rated 270,000. I mean, that's a... And Smith has just tripped the light fantastic. He was wonderful, hitting the ball everywhere. I loved it. Yeah, and it, it sort of... We look back to the T20 World Cup and, and Smith wasn't in that starting 11. Probably begs well, the question, he was probably what we were missing there. Well, it's a good point, Will, isn't it? And, and, and he was suitably miffed. Like, he, he, he... And I wonder whether he could be in the next one in America... Uh, maybe even partnering Warner. Who knows, at the top of the order, Steve Smith, who we're, we all know will move to America when he retires and live in New York, where his wife, Danny, really loves it. But that's the thing. Did we really underestimate him in that World Cup squad? Should he be in there at the top of the order instead of, say, Aaron Finch? We get it why he wasn't, because it was a hard selection to make. But you look back in time and he had so much to offer, didn't he? And it's, uh, it, it's, it was a chance miss for Australia, Will. It's a good question. Cricket Australia, or oh, the, the Aussie team will meet for practice in Sydney on Saturday. Crash, Andrew McDonald has given Steve, permission, Steve Smith permission to miss that. He can travel to Perth and play for the Sixers on Saturday night. Is it the same with the, uh, the Scorchers players, Agar... And uh, um, Lance Morris. And Lance Morris. Are they allowed yeah, to play? Yeah, we believe so. They're, they're trying to trying to preserve the integrity of the Big Bash for as long as they can. So uh, you know, so right. So these these players should be able to play on the weekend. And uh, a lot of the players behind closed doors are preparing for India. Here's one example: Mitchell Swepson's bowling with a white ball in the nets, then occasionally he swaps to the red ball. 
Uh, and of course, it's a different ball altogether for India, the SG ball, which is uh, different to the Kookaburra, but he, he's, he, he's already training privately for India. So they're not super stressed about that. And uh, I'll say it again, Paul, I've just got the feeling Australia's going to beat India in India this time. I know we haven't done it since 2004, but I'm watching this Indian team thrash Sri Lanka and thrash New Zealand, and the crowd's going hysterical, everyone's scoring runs, but they're three key outs. There's no Bumrah, there's no Jasper, uh, there's no uh, Rishabh Pant, and their key spinner, this Ravi Jadeja, who, who bowls left-arm finger spin and, and bats at number six, hasn't been sighted since August. Is he going to appear before the Test Series? If he's not there at number six, I'm tipping Australia. Well, he's the one that bowls the uh, the arm ball, the one that doesn't spin, and that was always the one that seems to get Aussies in trouble. Well, he's just... A, he, Shane Warne called him the rock star, and he's he's two players. To me, he's the most underrated player in the world because he, he averages 23 per wicket in Test, which is absolutely outstanding, and 35 with the bat. And he's a fighter, too. He's a really... Comes from a tremendously humble background and just takes nothing for granted. A real... He's, he's got fibre about him as a player. But he hasn't been seen since August. He's had a knee injury. Where is he? Where is Ravi Jadeja? Like, is he going to appear in Nagpur for the first test in on February 8th? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> if he doesn't, I'm telling you, I'm coming on your show and I'm going to tip Australia to win. <laughs> and then, of course, the week after, I'll have egg on my face, as I always do in India. <laughs> You're going to shout everyone a coffee crash? <laughs> it, like, it, that's it. If Australia win the series in India... We'll have some sort of coffee deal for the listeners, okay? So oh. cheer that one home. Oh, we've got you down for that, Crasher. The other, the yeah, other thing. Yeah. Oh, it, it was a great day we had, wasn't it, that time at yes. uh, Arnie and May? So, yeah, I'm still financially recovering from it, Paul. <laughs> Thanks for mentioning it. <laughs> um, the other thing about Jadeja, one of, the, one of the world's best fielders over the years. He's incredible in the field, and, and I reckon his batting average against Australia would be in the 40s. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a beautiful player, and he... Uh, 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 look... I'm looking at their team, and, and you know, Mohamed Siraj, fast bowler. Yeah, he, he's good. He's not great, but he, but he's he, he's not Bumrah, nor is Mohamed Shami. He's a streak bowler. When he's hot, he's good. Good swing bowler. Ashwin, they've played before. Fine bowler. Yeah, you're going to get them, but everyone's going berserk over the opener Shubra and Gill. Fair enough, but he does average 32 in tests. Their other opener KRL averages 30 in tests. They're not world beaters. They can be beaten. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. And just staying with cricket, but the Australia Day debate's up again. Obviously, uh, Ash Gardner, one of the stars of the women's teams, coming out saying she doesn't want to play in Australia Day. What do you make of this scenario? It seems to pop up year in, year out. It, it, it does. Uh, I respect... Do you know what, Will? Old fogies like myself have got to get used to the fact that the younger generation are far freer with their opinions, and that's totally fair enough. Like, uh, Paul and I grew up when there was only four channels on television and <laughs> yes. you, you could either watch one of the four. Now you can watch anything you like, you can be on social media, you can have an opinion. You, the, 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 the younger generation won't be told what to do or what to say and that's totally fair enough and administrators have got to accept that. You know, It may not be what they want but it, it is the world. When I started in journalism, I, had, I went for six years before I wrote a comment piece, a story commenting on what my opinion is. And I remember writing it and thinking, God, who am I to have an opinion? 
Whereas now, you'd have 18-year-old kids firing on social media. Now, so that's what Ash is saying. She's saying that Australia Day is Invasion Day to the Indigenous people and she doesn't like it. I spoke to Jason Gillespie yesterday and he believes Australia should change the date of Australia Day. He's always said that to one which represents Australia for all. The interesting thing is, Paul, <laughs> Australia doesn't know how to handle it. They put, a, they put no Big Bash game on Thursday, which is really interesting because there's a Big Bash game on every other day this week. Why isn't there a game on Thursday? It's Australia Day. It's a public holiday. People are watching. They're at home. No, But they put the women's game on. So they, I don't think, Paul, I don't think Australian cricket really knows how to handle it. Uh, I don't think they really know what to do with it. What do you think? I, I think you're spot on, Crash, and you're a... Uh, I think Channel 10 now have said it for, as far as they are concerned to their staff. They want them to work and take another day off later in the year. Mm. Mm. So mm. I think there's organisations like that. Now... Eddie Jones, uh, sacked by England and uh, was given the nod just after you got off our, our show yesterday, Crash, uh, last Monday, yep. about 30 seconds after it was announced that Dave Rennie had parted ways with Rugby Australia and Eddie Jones has signed a five-year contract taking us through to the next two World Cups. Is it going to work? Yeah, I, I think it will. There's a part of it that will work sensationally and that is, and I really, well, here's an example why it'll work. I was so frustrated that when I clicked off the phone, I saw the news flash. Like 20 seconds after we finished talking last Monday, Jones to coach Australia. Could have talked about it for half an hour. He'll get tons, tongues wagging. He's already stirred up Peter Volandis by saying, oh, we'll get him to the rugby one day. He spends too much time in the tab, that bloke. I mean, he, he, he loves with that, as they say, with that provocatively raised right eyebrow of his. He's a pot stirrer. He, he, he's, he loves the social debate. He loves packed press conferences, challenging journalists. That's what rugby need, uh, needs, Paul. You know yourself. You're a diehard rugby man. Oh, oh, he, he, look, Eddie could start an argument in an empty room. He'll get <laughs> any amount of enemies. He'll, there'll be blow-ups here and there. And every single bit of it will be good for rugby. Like... I've heard former rugby bosses saying, oh, we're having a great year this year. There's no controversy at all. And, you know, I've said to them, seriously? You want no controversy? You want nothing? You're just invisible in the paper. Like, no one... You know, no one's talking about rugby. You need Eddie Jones. You need Eddie Jones. So, Andrew Cordes called for this about three years ago. He said the only man who could save Australian rugby was Eddie Jones. He's got his wish. And in that sense, a World Cup year is probably the best time to have him on board if, if we need headlines and a bit of controversy and a bit of stirring up. Well, well, that's the thing, Will. He gets this supercharged start because uh, even people that don't like rugby take notice of World Cup games. You, you do. It, it, and it'll be big this year. Uh, you know, it's the chance for him to jump on the gravy train when it's pulling into the station. So it, it's... This is he, everything he said will be multiplied and magnified this year because it is World Cup year. Everything matters so much more. The big countdowns on. I have to say, Dave Rennie just proved to me, Paul, much like Mickey Arthur, the Australian cricket coach, and Robbie Deans, the Australian rugby coach, that. If you're an overseas coach coaching in Australia, you better be good because no one's got your back. When you wobble, there's not that state system that you came from that's saying, 
let's rally behind him. It can be a lonely, lonely job as it was for Rennie, for Deans and for Arthur. Uh, big news for the Brisbane Broncos last week. Marty Tapao is on his way there. He's uh, sort of had to wait very patiently with this uh, with the CBA. That's been uh, announced. He's going to be a Bronco for season 2023. It appears as though he's been training in the off-season with his wife, though. Yes, she's been during the... Uh, when he left Manly, his wife's been keeping him fit, which is, you know, he wanted to, to, to play on. He was on huge money at Manly, not anywhere near that at the Broncos. Nice bargain buy because, Paul, I tell you what the Broncos haven't got, apart from Adam Reynolds and Kurt Catewell, is that the, the really, and perhaps, you know, Corey Oates, but a, a, a lot of forwards that are really, really seasoned and battled hard and played a stack of games, you know. Sure, Carrigan's been wonderful, Flegler's very good and all that, but th- this is this is useful. This, this could be very handy for him at the right price. Just a guy, he mightn't play every game, but his wisdom and uh, his reputation as an enforcer, that won't hurt him at all. It'll take a bit of pressure off Carrigan, probably. So I'm going out to training in about half an hour. I believe he'll be there. I'm looking forward to casting an eye over how he looks and at the end of it, how he sounds. What's he, what's he up to? It'll be quite a story. Tell you what, how do you sign on Friday and arrive at training on Monday? Yeah. The Players Association says this takes 18 months to usually take place, Crash. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping he's going to be there. I'm not sure, but but I did hear someone whisper, well, he should be there, he's signed. I mean, the deal was done in about an hour, apparently. They made him an offer, and he, like, he wanted to come. He toured the facilities Friday afternoon, and uh, they, they after a lap of the Oval, basically, they just sort of said, how does this sound? He goes, yeah, that'll do. Sounds good. Oh, is that so, right? Th- yeah, oh, he wants that, to be that's here. That's nice. great. Yeah, that's good, because... You know, you always worry where the, the negotiations are protracted. Have you thought about this? Could I get you that? He Quite clearly, Paul, he wants to play and the money's secondary. And I like that. It's good. Crash, we seriously have only got about 60 seconds till the end of the show today. When you join us next Monday, who will be the Australian Open's champions, the, the men and the women? Uh, I think that... Uh, I haven't made up my mind about the women yet, but... I still love Djokovic for his fighting ability. Um, and I, I think that he, as I said, I've looked through the quarters, the Sitsabas, and I've still got him. But I, I just, oh, the women, I, I just, I'm still not sure. Who's your tip for the women, Paul? I was going to follow you, actually. <laughs> so, in other words, I haven't got any idea either. No, no. It, it's just, that, that, it's such a such an open open field that, that I, I, I have struggled. But I tell you what I have enjoyed, though, just... I enjoyed the farewells for Sam Stoza. I enjoyed Johnny Millman winning his first round match. And the fact that Alex Diminar is still alive into the second week is a significant moment. And he's slightly underestimated. I think the bookies have got him about, you know, 25 to 1 or, or something like that saying. But, you know, he may have another win or two in him. Good on you, Crash. Chat to you next week, mate. See you then. Bye.